Radio. Life Radio, a hard-hitting five-minute analysis on today's issues. Unplanned pregnancy, abortion, politics, the American family, exposing the issues. Dorothy Wallace and Todd Clayton of Caring to Love Ministries, helping you and your stand for life. Hi, I'm your co-host Todd Clayton and welcome to Life Radio. Our guest today is Alan Parker with the Texas Justice Foundation, and we're going to be discussing the recent Texas abortion law that was passed. And here with our guest is your host, Dorothy Wallace. Alan, welcome back to Life Radio. Thank you so much for being with us this morning. It's great to be with you again. Thank you, Dorothy. A lot is happening there in Texas um, as it pertains to protecting life. And um, I understand that um, as of September 1st, 2021, the Texas uh, prohibition, uh, six weeks prohibition, um, has taken effect. And that's uh, known as Senate Bill 8. And there's a lot of um, information um, going on. And I know that we have in Baton Rouge have had an overwhelming um, phone calls that are coming in. I have a young girl who uh, contacted us on our website and said that um, that I am needing an abortion. I live in Texas, so I'm having to look outside of the state. Um, six weeks and two days. Um, we're having girls come in and, and wanting ultrasounds to see if they're below the six weeks to go back and have an abortion try to bring that picture back and so they can have an abortion there in Texas. So there's a lot of activity going on. And um, so we just applaud you and applaud Texas for all that um, they're doing. Um, I want to find out, um, uh, can you share a little bit about how Senate bill um, came about? Well, thank you. I'm, glad to be in Texas and it's uh we've had at least 30 days now of being the only state in the union and the first state in the union since 1973 that's been able to outlaw abortion if the child has a detectable heartbeat at six weeks so it's a kind of an amazing thing and you asked how it came about in the legislature uh there were uh the pro-life movement has been growing and getting stronger in Texas over the years, and I think throughout the country. There's a growing grassroots movement that something must be done now. And Senator Brian Hughes of Texas on the Senate side uh, helped lead the charge, and there, there were House members that uh, were very, very active, and uh life groups. Um, the Justice Foundation, which I represent, tends to be more active in the court battles because all of these cases go to court. And uh, the others, uh, like Texas Right to Life, uh, Texas Life Alliance, other groups in Texas, really work on getting them passed in the legislature but I will also say that some of the women of Operation Outcry, which is a ministry of the Justice Foundation, That's right. testified in favor of these bills. And part of the reason we're banning abortion is there's a better alternative 
particularly for that woman who called you about what can I do now that abortion is banned. That's right. There's a better alternative through safe haven law, and we need to stop the killing of children and stop hurting women because our women testified of the devastation that abortion caused them. They thought it was the answer to their problem. It turned out to introduce a lifetime of devastation, regret, and intense psychological trauma to them. That results in many bad behaviors like substance abuse, suicide attempts. Uh, abortion is not painless to women. No, of course, it's, not. it's no, painful no. to the child and kills the child. Yes, that's right. That's right. And so I applaud um, Operation Outcry and Texas um, Justice Foundation uh, and you, Alan. As a matter of fact, we used um, a lot of the um, affidavits uh, that um, you began to... I think 15 years ago, um, to accumulate uh, across the nation so many uh, women crying out to have a voice and to be able to write that down on an affidavit and to present those um, during the legislative session. Um, Cindy, Col- uh, Cindy Collins is so much involved with you and had those um, affidavits there, and it's an eye-opener um, uh, for those who feel like abortion is the is no big deal, uh, but uh, you know they can do better than abortion, and women, abortion does hurt women, and um, yes, they, it does. And so, um, and so, thank goodness that um, uh, they are there um, uh, testifying on behalf of other women. Um, now, I know that um, last year uh, in a Georgia, going back to the, the case here, um, that when uh, the decision. Uh, Senate Bill 8 was passed, there was a local abortion clinic that tried to challenge this um, this law and, and the first six, the Fifth Circuit, uh, but they denied uh, them from the challenge. Can you share with us the reason for that? Well, it's because there's a very interesting and new enforcement mechanism in this Texas law. And Actually, it's built on the Sanctuary Cities movement that um, said we're going to just outlaw abortion in our city, but we're not going to have the government enforce the law like prosecutors who have traditionally been used. Once you make it a crime to kill a baby, then normally the prosecutor, wherever that occurs, would prosecute it just like any other murder in the city. But the Sanctuary City movement and Uh, The largest city that ever did that was Lubbock, Texas, and they attempted to sue in Lubbock, and the federal judge said, there's no jurisdiction. You can't sue the state. They're not enforcing this law. You have to wait until someone sues you, Mr. Abortionist, and then if you want to, you can claim the statute's unconstitutional as a defense, but you you can't sue the state. And so... That actually happened. So that happened in Lubbock, and we won that. And then Texas passed the law based on the same concept. Private citizens can sue for damages that occur as a result of the death. And there's never been a lawsuit that stopped all private citizens from going to court to make a claim in court. So that's the part that's new about this. And that's why the judge, even when Texas did it on a statewide basis, they said, no, you can't stop it. And that's the novel and unusual and new part about this type of law. 
Yes, that's that's fantastic. And so it so and then it went from the first, Fifth Circuit and then straight over to the Supreme Court. And um, um, how long did it take them to um, agree to um, n- decide not to hear um, the Texas case? I guess because they have Dobbs up there. But um, yes, I'm in so I'm in Washington D.C. right now because. I represent 2,249 women hurt by abortion in the Dobbs case, which is the Mississippi ban on late-term abortion. And I represent Melinda Tebow, the founder of the Moral Outcry Petition, who's on the same brief with those 2,249 women, asking the court to uphold the Louisiana ban on late-term abortion. But yes, how long did it take them in the Texas case? They only had three days to decide. Uh, One of the things I want to emphasize, uh, and Justice Alito just gave a speech at Notre Dame defending this Texas case decision. All the court really decided was this case is not appropriately before the Supreme Court. Now, technically, that's all they decided. In other words, the abortionist waited 90 days after the law was passed to ask for emergency relief, and then they— they, they didn't get it from the federal judge who said, hey, you're suing the state. The state's not enforcing you. And it was an Obama appointee who didn't give relief. Wow. Then, they went to, then they went to the Fifth Circuit, and they didn't get relief. And then they went to the Supreme Court, and people say, oh, it was like in the middle of the night they did it. Well, the, re- the reason, it was emergency relief. It was like an, it got there like on a, I think it was Friday. And the court then asked for a day of brief, one day to respond to a brand new law. It's, a, it, it, it's now being called the shadow docket, like there's something wrong with this. This is how they've always had oh, yes. emergency relief. Yes, that, yes. Because cause the abortionist waited to the last minute to take it there. And then they say the law's going into effect on uh, September 1st. Our briefing is due 31st. So. From one day to the next, before midnight, when the law went into effect, the Supreme Court said, we're not going to take this case. Go down to the courts below and let's try it the regular way. Lawsuits are supposed to be handled. You district court, then you go to the court of appeals, then you come up here on a full appeal, and we'll decide it on the merits after full argument. Now, that's all that happened. But I will say, as a lawyer that's practiced in the abortion area for over 20 years now— um, that was highly unusual. Yes, it was. That the, that the abortion industry did not get special protection. Right. And that the court didn't just make up a new rule to protect them, because ever since Roe v. Wade, that's, right. that's what the Supreme Court's been doing. That's right. Creating special, unusual rules that don't apply to anything else for the protection of the killing of children. That's right. It's it's bizarre, but that's what happened. Yeah, that's and, amazing. Uh, that's amazing and a miracle that that actually happened because it was an Obama appointee um, that looked at this and um, and ruled um, that they would be um, denied to challenge the law. And, of course, um, they decided that they were going to um, get an abortion provider uh, so what's the status about the abortion provider that pre- actually performed the abortion anyway? Is he incarcerated, I hope? Uh, no, not yet. And again, see, it doesn't involve incarceration as a remedy because only a prosecutor can enforce a criminal uh, provision. 
But the law, the Texas law specifically says district attorneys and state officials may not enforce this law until Roe v. Wade is overturned. So, but it says the civil damages, and normally something can be both a crime and a civil tort. I'll give you an example. The, the, the O.J. murder. Uh, yes. O.J. Simpson murder. He was tried for murder, and in court, he was found guilty, not guilty, beyond a reasonable doubt. Very high standard. But the estate of the woman who was killed sued him for the civil tort of wrongful death. In other words, if a murderer kills you, you can sue them individually for wrongful death or, or your family if you were killed, your estate and your relatives. But only the state can put him in jail. A private individual can sue for money damages if they're injured, but only the state has the power to put in jail. So this statute says they're not going to jail. It's just the threat of huge damages. And they get the damages for wrongful death. And if and there's a $10,000 penalty that a civil, a, a private party can recover if they successfully sue and establish that there was a wrongful death. So actually, what they're really worried about is billions of dollars of potential liability that they would have to pay out instead of making billions right. of the killing, oh killing of children. They would have to pay billions to the injured people. Yeah, that is amazing. My goodness, the genius that uh, that wrote this law, because um, that's what they do. They, the abortion um, um, law attorneys, I mean, they just start billing, billable hours, billable hours, and, and start going after uh, these laws and these the states, uh, uh, the states, the United people, states around the United States, and do those billable hours so they can become wealthy. Um, during the litigation, um, and then get the special consideration in the process. So what is currently happening with the abortion provider who performed the abortion? Well, he's actually been sued. Well, he's had, he's had, he's been sued by two lawyers and uh, clients. I don't know their names, but I, I know about the lawsuits. And then he's he had a complaint filed against him with the medical board, wow. but that's not going to go anywhere because the medical board is a state official. They can't punish him either. So he's got two lawsuits against him. Now, what will happen in the normal course of litigation is he will say, here's my defense. I move to dismiss this lawsuit because as a matter of law, abortion is a constitutional right. You can't punish me for doing something that is a constitutional right. Like you can't punish me for free speech, or you couldn't uh, punish me for refusing to discriminate against African Americans. So his com his defense will be, and I will have to say, and and I want to tell people these are preliminary rulings. Right. Still, only the Supreme Court can overturn a Supreme Court decision unless the people pass a constitutional amendment. So a local judge might dismiss the lawsuit. Then the people will appeal to the Supreme Court and say, this Texas law is proper. But even before then, in the Dobbs v. Mississippi, the Mississippi case, which is going to be argued on December 1st, right. I'm here in Washington, D.C. right now because Monday, October 4th, um, is when the first day of the new term comes. 
and they've agreed to hear the Mississippi case, and it will be oral argument on December 1st. So you're, when your listeners hear this program, whenever that is, they should begin to pray and for the prayer. oral arguments in the Mississippi case, because that's the case. We want them to reverse Roe v. Wade in that case, and then the Texas law will be immediately constitutional if they reverse Roe v. Wade completely. That's right, because Dobbs has the um, pre-viability limitations in that in that law, which um, is somewhat kind of reversed from the actual Roe v. Wade decision when they created the Supreme Court created the, the viability levels. Um, so yes, yeah. Now I know that last year Georgia had a six six week um, ban uh, on abortion, and um, they struck that down. So it's a no. They struck it down temporarily. Let me explain this because um, all of, a lot of these decisions when when you have a law that goes against Roe v. Wade, the first question is, shall the law be stopped from going into enforcement, preliminarily enjoined, uh, or something like that? Um, and, nor, and often the courts, to preserve the status quo, if there's a good argument that it is unconstitutional, then uh, the courts will stop it. Now, based on existing law, you, the abortion industry has a good argument. Hey, we've been allowed to abort people for 48 years. The Supreme Court has said that there's a right to abortion under the Constitution. Now, we believe that's wrong, but the abortion industry does have some case law. Now, the amazing thing about the Mississippi case was that for the first time since 1992, the the court took a question that could reverse Roe v. Wade. It's a late-term abortion case, but the question is whether the Constitution bans all pre-viability abortions um, or bans on abortion before viability. So they they could actually reverse Roe v. Wade in the Dobbs case, and they're going to be oral argument on December 1st, and then we probably won't know the decision until June 30th of next year, the end of this year's term which begins on this on Monday, October 4th. So this is an important time. Absolutely. Very important. It certainly is, because I was looking back to um, when Jay Floyd, uh, with the Assistant Attorney General um, of Texas, um, uh, argued um, Roe, v. Uh, Roe v. Wade on December 13, 2021. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, it's taken this long since December 13th, 2021, for Texas to have a victory on this issue, um, that's just a, a amazing just to see how yes. we're, yeah, that's a miracle. And that's and, what. And, and notice, even under Roe v. Wade, abortion can be banned after viability, meaning the child is able to live outside the womb, albeit with artificial aid. That's the quote from Roe v. Wade. So when is a child viable today? Now, traditionally, viability has meant like about 24 weeks when if the baby was born prematurely, it could survive with neonatal care, albeit. But we and several briefs in the case are making the argument that viability outside the womb is actually at the moment of fertilization. And One of the clients that I represent is named Hannah S., and Hannah is the first formerly frozen human embryo 
to file an amicus or friend of the court brief at the U.S. Supreme Court. What do I mean by formerly frozen? We're all former embryos. You were an embryo once. I was an embryo once. But she was a frozen embryo for almost two years outside her mother's womb. She was conceived through in vitro fertilization where the sperm and the egg come together in a Petri dish. And we have a picture of her in the brief at three days after fertilization. (laughs) And she is alive. And she stayed that way for two years. Then she was thawed and placed in her mother, Marlene, her adoptive mother, Marlene's uterus, and she was born alive. She's now 22 years old, so she's old enough to file a brief. We represent her at the Justice Foundation, and her brief says, I was alive from fertilization on. Here's my picture at three days after fertilization. Here's my college graduation picture. And I was viable outside my mother's womb, albeit with artificial aid. So every life should be protected from the moment of fertilization. Absolutely. Every single life. Um, I understand there's supposed to be a press conference. I think Operation Outcry is going to be having a press conference. Um, Has that been held yet? Uh, And what are the details pertaining to that? It it will be held on uh, Monday, October 4th from 8 to uh, 12, uh, about on the steps of the Supreme Court, we're going to be having a rally and a press conference and unrolling the signatures of 539,000-plus Americans who've signed the Moral Outcry petition at themoraloutcry.com. And every signer's name is in our Melinda Tebow, founder of the Moral Outcry brief, and we're rolling out all those names in, on the sidewalk in front of the Supreme Court. It takes two scrolls that are five foot wide by 150 foot long. So 300 feet of five foot scrolls with just teeny tiny names on them to, to lay 500,000 out in front of the Supreme Court on the day that the Supreme Court starts its 2021 to 2022 term of court. That is amazing. That is wonderful. 539,000 names um, that have signed um, uh, for Operation Outcry. And uh, gosh, Alan, remembering you back in the day when when, um, you had the vision uh, to move forward to do this along with um, uh, Harold Cassidy to, um, we've got to get this message out. And, And and contributed to the Operation Outcry affidavits that have um, changed the um, the uh, mentality, I guess, changed the course of of how um, abortion um, is is looked at. Thinking that before, oh, it's okay, uh, women like this, but in reality, we showed that that was not the case. Um, can you um, share a little bit about, let's say that somebody says, you know, I want to add my name. I want to add, not now, but I mean, I want to, for future, I want to add my name to this this um, scroll. How can they do that? Well, it can be done right now, and it can be done before oral argument, and this case is going to be in the news all next year. 
So they can go to themoraloutcry.com, or if you just Google the moral outcry, it'll come up top of the line usually, themoraloutcry.com, and they can read the petition and sign it right there. And their name will be recorded on earth in the petition and at the Supreme Court of the United States in the next brief we file, if there have to be other cases after this, and there could be, this could be the one that completely chops it down, or it could chop off late-term abortions. And the court might decide till a heartbeat comes there, say, okay, now we're going to uphold heartbeat laws. And then there is a moral outcry bill in Arkansas that banned all abortions, passed in March of this year, uh, based on the five reasons in the moral outcry petition. It bans all abortions except to save the life of the mother. And that case might get there in two years. It takes about one to three years from the time you pass a law for it to get to the Supreme Court. This bill, this Mississippi bill, actually passed in 2018. So it's three years later before its constitutionality will be finally determined. And really, by the time the decision comes out in 2022, it'll be four years. So the the wheels of justice move a little bit slowly, particularly when you consider that it's a crime against humanity and it's killing children. And if I could just say briefly the five reasons in the moral outcry. Yes. Uh, and, and you said this is a great strategy and all these things. But sometimes people say it's, it's brilliant. I say, yes, it is. But it wasn't our idea. God revealed this to our client, Melinda, and to me when he asked me to represent Norma and Sandra, Roe and Doe, in their right. efforts to reverse Roe v. Wade. Yes. That's when we, he told me to collect women's testimonies. And the court has cited them four times now. So it was, I didn't really think of it. But anyway, we prayed but and the I, Lord yeah, gave us but I was strategies. There. I was yes. there, Alan. I was there at that press yes. conference with, with um, uh, Norma Corvey and um, Sandra uh, Kano. I was there when that was happening, and I tell you what, I, I just we've come a, you've come a long way, and I just commend you for that. But go ahead and and share the um, the points. All right. Because if your friends say, "Oh, women will be hurt," number number one, abortion is a crime against humanity. It's seriously wrong. It's like slavery. It's like segregation. Because you've deprived a class of human beings from legal protection. Before it was African Americans. Uh, in history, Germany did it to the Jews, and now we've done it to the infant life in the womb, as the Supreme Court admitted in Gonzales. So, a crime against your mate. Number two, it hurts women. The reason court gave women freedom, it wanted to give them freedom from unwanted child care. The court probably didn't know that if you have millions of women doing it, 100,000 a year will suffer incredibly damaging uh, emotional scars. And so instead of helping women, it really hurts them. And number three, women can now be free of unwanted child care, parenting responsibilities, really, without killing the child and injuring themselves through the safe haven law that every state has. If that woman, going back to the beginning of this radio program, when you said a woman from Texas says, I can't get an abortion, uh, she could she really, people can just tell the women, just wait. As soon as your baby is born, you can drop the baby off at a hospital or a fire station or walk out of the hospital and leave the baby behind. But every state has a safe haven law. You can relinquish the baby 
at no cost, no legal procedure, no reason you have to give. Just turn the baby over at a hospital or fire station within a set period of time after birth, and you're free. You can go on with your life and do anything you want with your life. We're not saying you have to be a mother for 18 years. You don't have to parent, but you can't kill the baby. We don't want you to hurt yourself. Give us the baby as a state. Those are the big three reasons. And sometimes people say, well, does that mean all those kids are going to be in foster care? No. There are one to two million families every year waiting to adopt little newborn babies. That's what they want. Mothers and fathers feel, I can take care of a baby, and I want a baby desperately. So that's a love, love, love solution. Love the baby, love the mother, love the families waiting to love the child. That's right. That's fantastic. Um, that's, uh, love the baby and love the mother and love the family for the, that are desperately, desperately wanting to, to raise and have a, a child. Uh, um, Alan, fant- this is amazing. Um, and anybody who would like to um, sign the petition, uh, to read the petition, they can go to themoraloutcry.com, themoraloutcry.com, and sign, read and sign that petition and join Join the efforts for these um, to to take uh, life back <laughs> to uh, help ensure that mothers have an opportunity to have their baby and not have to be coerced into um, having an abortion. Um, Alan, what a pleasure and honor it is to uh, do a program with you, and um, I and continue to pray for your efforts. Um, anybody who'd like to provide any financial assistance uh, for the Justice Foundation and all that Alan's doing. I believe you can also get in contact with them on themoraloutcry.com as well. And I encourage people to be able to to help you, um, Alan. Well, thank you so much, Alan, for being with us. Um, and we pray that you continue to make a difference for life. Thank you. Thank you, Dorothy, for all you. And we're going to have to end there for today. We'd like to thank Alan Parker with the Texas Justice Foundation for joining us today. And if you'd like some more information, you can contact us toll-free at 1-888-823-1121. Or you can check us out on the web. That address is partnerwithcare.org. For a further analysis of today's topic, point to www.ctlm.org. Or press 1-888-823-1121. Radio. A service of Caring to Love Ministries.